0: Hey there, greetings everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. We have Felix Velarde with us today, all the way from London, UK. Now, Felix is the CEO and co-founder of a company by name 2Y3X, you know, a pretty unique name and we'll find out about that too. But before we get into the episode, let's welcome Felix. Felix, welcome to the episode.
1: Great to be here, Rajiv. Thank you very much for having me on.
0: Absolutely, our pleasure. So in your words, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, uh, I'm completely accidental. I Nothing quite worked out the way that it was supposed to work out. Uh, and I love my life. I'm an extremely lucky and happy man. Um, I, I guess I was supposed to go to university and that didn't happen because I don't know, I, I discovered that when I was at school and and at college that uh, I quite enjoyed partying and so I went off and partied instead and then I found myself having this weird kind of got trained as a salesman, then became a barman, then I don't know, travelled around a bit and nobody would give me a job that I could keep because I was rubbish <laughs> uh, and uh I discovered the internet. And um, so, more or less by accident, more or less when I had blue hair, I started one of the first web design companies in the world in 1994 and had an amazing career after that.
0: Awesome. Have you always been in London?
1: Uh, I spent a, uh, a year in New York and I spent a year in France and um, but yeah, I'm a Londoner. I'm a Londoner through and through. And The reason that I'm a Londoner through and through is, is there are two, two or three reasons. One is I grew up in the middle of London. And so big city life is my life. And I find everywhere else basically a bit too small. The second reason is I, uh, having grown up in London, I find that everywhere that isn't multicultural a little bit one-dimensional. And I like being able to go to I was having this conversation actually a, a, an hour ago with somebody who's in Belfast in Northern Ireland. And he said, oh, I've been to where you live, Felix. Uh, I went to a Nepalese restaurant. And I said, yeah, that's the one that's the Gurkha just down the road. And and I love the 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 idea that you can you can you can decide that you're really, really missing having Korean food or uh Ethiopian food or uh, you want to go and listen to some Lebanese music and you can do that anywhere you like 20 minutes away. And and so I like that kind of I love the melting pot aspect of London. And so every time I leave London I, I find myself missing that. And so I come back.
0: Awesome. So it sounds like you know you rather than planning your life you let you know whatever come at you and then looked at turning it into an opportunity what actually prompted you to go after internet-based technologies back in the 90s
1: well i had as i said i'd 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 been a salesman for a while i'd sold advertising space uh in newspapers and i found it it was it was quite a cutthroat uh, profession. It's, it's not seen in the UK, um, salespeople are seen as being uh, some kind of second class profession. Whereas in the US, being a salesperson is, is an awesome profession. It is, it's the bedrock of the way the business works. In the UK, it's kind of a little bit of a sort of second cousin kind of thing. So. Um, and and I'd found that the way that salespeople are trained in the UK to be um, the emphasis on, was on results at all costs. And and I'm not that kind of guy. I I, I like things that have a purpose, and I like uh, my my core value is honor. And I was being people were trying to to tell me to be dishonest, and and so I didn't like that. Anyway, so I then. Uh, got away from the sales profession and I had fallen into something called Prestel, which was a, a, a walled garden. It was precursor of the web. Um, it was an online system, a bit like Francis Minitel in 1989 or so. And then about four years later, the World Wide Web was switched on, by which time I was already socializing on the internet, on news groups and in, 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 uh, in different spaces. And um, so I was I was having sort of conversations with people on the other side of the world that were facilitated by a modem. And when the Web came along uh, and I was looking for something to do, I was desperate for something to do, and I didn't really want to work for anybody else. And I was a bit of a red bull. And I just realized that the Web gave people gave businesses the opportunity to remove the salesperson from a transaction process and actually put the power into the hands of the buyer, not not in the hands of the salesperson. And if you could take out the salesperson from a process, you'd get a more honest transaction where people didn't feel like they were being pressured into making a purchase decision, but were making it because they'd been been given a set of choices and they could electively follow a path. And I loved that idea. And so that was my my goal for the web. Uh, And when we were a very small number of us starting things like internet marketing and social media and so on. Those very very early days were about what's become known as disintermediation of taking away the sort of the process of persuasion and giving the choice to the consumer. And I, I loved that. And so that that was the foundation of a lot of my businesses. And I had six agencies that I either sold or screwed up. Um, over a, a 22 year career which by the time I finished that career I was the CEO of an agency group we had 12 agencies in a loose kind of collective and I had, by then I had a lot of experience of of getting business right and getting business wrong and trying to learn slowly probably too slowly from my experience of all of the things that I didn't quite nail first time
0: now, do you look at uh, 2Y, 3X as the culmination
1: of that experience? No, it's not. It is definitely the product of it, because it's kind of, it's all of the things that I ever learned brought into a program of, of best practice. But it's, it's, it, was, it was a completely new career for me. I mean, I, I got to the point where I was running all of these companies, running these agencies, I was selling them successfully. I mean, I I sold one. My last agency, I sold. The new buyers uh, were running it into the ground, so I bought it back, and then doubled its revenue in eleven months, and then sold it again. So that was my kind of that was my. And I just thought, you know what, I'm done. I, I I've I've had this career. Uh, I don't quite have a super yacht, but you know, I I think I'm done with this career. I want to I want to change everything. So. I changed everything, I stopped, I went, I spent nine or 10 months traveling the world and having good, a good time really. And then came back and decided to put everything that I'd ever learned in my career into uh, what's now become the 2Y3X program. Um, and then I did. I, I started working with companies that had hit a plateau. It got to a sort of a feast and famine kind of up and downy dolphiny stage, which most companies get to at Two, three, or four million revenue, uh, and and started working with owners and their and superstars in their businesses to get them past that that blockage, to get them through the transition that is required in order for you to scale fast. And then that became the two Y three X program. Two Y three X stands for two years, three X, three times revenue, because. It turned out that, in fact, every single company that I worked with up until COVID would double its revenue in two years. And most of them uh, would get close to, if not actually hitting three times revenue. And the ones that that failed to even double only failed because they got sold, usually for a huge premium. So so I spent five or six years testing the 2Y3X program, making a few millionaires out of clients, which is very gratifying and also slightly irritating at the same time, and uh, and honing the program and making making certain that it worked and that was was in itself scalable. So when you look
0: back at your career, you're in, in the twenty-two years that you spent doing what you did, and then the uh, the evolution of internet, so to speak, right mm-hmm. from dot com to social media, now machine learning and, you know, all the other stuff, artificial intelligence and stuff, yeah. uh, virtual reality and all. What do you make of, uh, these changes or how things have been evolving over the years?
1: I, none of the tech has actually changed since day one. So I remember going to see uh, a demo of virtual reality in probably 92 or 93. And having a huge great headset on my head that made me look like an alien from a really bad sci-fi movie. Um, and, and being and thinking it was a Marvel. And it's still slightly too rudimentary and it's still not quite immersive enough, but it's still cool and good. And I'm still waiting for, you know, for it to be truly, um, you know, sort of incredibly high definition and perfectly real. I want it to be a bit like um, what's the movie? Uh Ready Player One, yeah? I'm waiting for it to be that, that perfect. But but more or less, it hasn't really changed. Certainly in, in, in it, the resolution has got better, but that's all. So that hasn't changed in the last, what, 30 years. Um, uh, social media, I was one of the people who created the templates for user-generated content and some of the templates for things that, you know, that I was involved in a website, I created a website Uh, with my business partner Jason Holland that um, became one of the world's most uh, 10 most influential websites and was the precursor to YouTube so I I know a lot about social media but that hasn't changed the the thing about social media that is a surprise is how vacuous and vapid it is Um, and and that's that's a disappointment I thought it would be much more political and enriching and um, and so on, and it's turned into silly memes and, and lots of vanity, which is a bit of, bit of a, a tragedy. But, I, I, you know, it, it's all we're doing, all of, all of any of that, you know, all of those 22 years being involved in uh, search and interactive TV and all of that kind of stuff and, and running strategy companies, It's just about communication. It's just about how do you get people talking to each other without manipulation? How do you get people transparently sharing information for the greater good? And actually, after I retired from that career and alongside starting 2Y3X, I became involved with um, People-Centered Internet Coalition, which is founded by the inventor of CRM, Mei Lin Fang, and the inventor of the internet, Vint Cerf. And so I became the UK head of that. And that was fascinating, just sort of because it was really, it was going back to first principles of, how do we make the, the internet of benefit to the sub-Saharan Africa? Or to people in, you know, tribes somewhere that, who are starving, and only starving because they don't have the information, not because they don't have the tools or the intelligence or, or whatever. So. That, that was very fasc- that was fascinating. And so I was involved with that for a few years as well. You know, what
0: about sales and advertising and the evolution of that? I don't know if it's you can call it an evolution. It's still, you know, vying for eyeballs. It's still, mm. uh, you know, trying to get people, you know, grab people's attention. Uh, you know, that hasn't changed. The mm. mode of how you get to that has changed. Uh, mm. what, what's your take on that?
1: It's funny, because, you know, I used to be, I, I spent a long part of my career as one of the, one of the leading digital marketing strategists. You know, I, I was at the, the uh, for some periods, I was, I was working with some of the best minds in the business, and it was amazing. And, and yet, I stopped that career six or seven years ago, and started my new career. And it turns out, I no longer know anything about digital marketing, except I found myself in a really interesting position. We just, I I wrote a book called Scale at Speed, which is the manual for 2Y3X. Literally, it's every single thing about 2Y3X in a book so that you can do it yourself. Um, And Scale at Speed has been a fascinating, uh, it's called Scale at Speed, how to triple the size of your business and build a superstar team. And it's the instruction manual for that. So if you're running a business, go and buy it. You can get it on Kindle or audiobook or paperback wherever in the world. And and but but the process of doing that that was published by Hachette worldwide a couple of weeks ago. And i have suddenly being having conversations about you know sort of um, lead funnels and things like that. And it's like it's, it's and. and i don't know if you've come across clubhouse i'm sure you've been on clubhouse
0: yes i have yeah Um, uh,
1: which which started out as a fascinating potential forum and has turned into about a thousand groups of people all selling each other each other's sales funnels right And, and i came to this realization the other day that a sales funnel isn't that exactly the same as what we used to call a customer journey that was invented by Wonderman in 1994. And it's all the same, nothing has changed. Um, But I think what I like about the sort of the the sales funnel kind of approach or the modern marketing approach is, it's really about delivering value to the customer so that the customer will decide for themselves what they pursue. And, And I think the reason that I wanted to write the book was I want everybody who runs a business to avoid the trial and error that I went through in the first half of my career, which was pointless and soul-destroying and stressful, uh, and just get on with changing the world. If you're running a business that wants to change the world, read the book. You won't have to think about all of the stuff that you know we all know how to do, but you don't know how to do because you haven't done it before, right? We've done it before. Read the book. Go and change the world. Um, but but uh, it was just this sort of uh, the idea of if we give away the content, if we if we share with everybody what we do in the 2Y3X program, a few people are gonna to come to us and say, do you know what, can you help us do that? And we're gonna say, yeah, it's very expensive, but do you know what, we'll triple your revenue. And, and in an ideal world, that would be fine. And I hope it works like that. I like it when you go onto LinkedIn and people are giving away their secrets and they're sharing information because that's the province of true expertise. I, I don't mean sharing platitudes and memes and you know Simon Sinek says kind of stuff. I mean truly giving away expertise that, that experts have. I think is a, is it's an awesome thing to do. And if if karma is does what it should do, then you'll get the payback a thousandfold.
0: Absolutely. You know, one thing that uh, continues to astonish me is uh, the, at the middle of all this selling or touching base or communicating, most importantly, selling and advertising is email. And that hasn't changed a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I think people have just gotten attuned to receiving hundreds of messages a day and sifting through that with 90% of that being garbage stuff that they don't want to look at. But that, that, that's kind of become the norm, and you know all these funnels that we have just talked about. At the end of the day, it's finding a way to, you know, catch their attention, and that's always been through email.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know about the channel, and I, and there's lots of research. I mean, I ran a CRM agency, strategy company for a long time. Um, uh, although I, I have to confess, my knowledge about that industry is now six years out of date. Um, but at the time that we were doing lots of research that said if you want to talk to people who are 54 to 65 then you need this channel they'll probably be interested in uh email and news groups if you want to get 45 to 54 then you want to be on linkedin and then you know and, and you'd have different channels for for different demographics and different splinter groups and interest groups you know my company 213x we worked a lot a lot with creative companies and agencies and tech startups, but we also work with engineering companies. Guess what? Engineering companies don't congregate on LinkedIn, right? But they do have trade magazines, printed, actual printed magazines that they read. And so if you want to be in the conversation, you need to be writing articles or in the conversation in those magazines. So I think there's a different place for everybody. And, and we inevitably look through a lens that suits ourselves and our own circumstances, and and it's probably you know I, I have friends who profess to understand how TikTok works. I can't I can't say that I understand it at all, um, and that they get successfully marketed to uh, using TikTok. So I mean you know there's something for everyone, right?
0: Absolutely. So if I were to ask you to I don't know if it makes sense to ask, but uh, the secret source of scale at speed—if you were to put it in a few words—what would you say it is?
1: So there are there are three parts. I think the first is start with the end in mind. So there's a there's a, a researcher, a scientist called um, Edwin Locke, who about 45 years ago came up with something called goal setting theory, and basically. It, it, I, And anybody who actually is familiar with it is going to roll their eyes as I describe it. I'm going to describe it as quickly as I can. Goal setting theory says, set a really, really challenging goal that's just about far away, far enough away that people will not get intimidated by its size because perspective. uh, And is likely to uh, be challenging enough to engage superstars. Um, So we start at the end. We start with a three-year goal that is very audacious, um, and we work backwards from there. And we say, OK, so in the third year, what are we doing in order to make sure that this is going to happen at the end of the third year, the, these lofty goals? And then we say, OK, so what are we doing in the second year in order to get to the third year? And then what are we doing this year in order to get there? And we co-design that with the superstar team. You, can't, you don't get buy-in, you don't get growth, you don't get change unless your team is bought in and believes and the only way to do that is to get them to invent the solution. So we have methodologies for doing that and a framework for doing that. So that, that's number one. So it's a start at the end. Number two is get everybody involved. Get your superstars involved in co-designing the solution and the plan of action. And then number three is make sure that you're, the people that you have around you share your core values. And I don't mean the sort of... Um, the superficial stuff you see on people's websites you know our core values put the customer first that is nobody's core value right that's that's platitudes right um core values are behave honorably or um defend your colleagues at all costs or i'm not going to leave you because you know and, and these, these are attitudes and things that, that usually are formed when you're seven or 11, you know, when you're forming your personality. And they tend to be the truths that are immutable truths. And my experience working with dozens, dozens and dozens of businesses over the last few years, pushing them through the program and scaling them at speed, um, is that when you've got core people, people whose core values are aligned, you can trust each other. When you've got people whose core values are not aligned, you don't really you can't predict how people are going to behave. And what happens is that those people, the the unaligned people, become C players. And C players are the ones who hold you back. They're the ones who become, you know, that they'll deliver stuff late. And then things, it becomes acceptable because you tolerate that it's delivered late, that, that our business tolerates people who deliver late and therefore we deliver late and then that becomes the way that we do things and no, no business that it, that it tolerates averageness ever becomes stellar. And so getting, getting those C players out from your company, moving them hopefully somewhere where they do share the values of the people they're working with, they will become A players over there. They'll stop being the people who are holding your business back. So that's a critical part of what we do is is figuring out what people's values, what a company's values are, what leaders' values are, and aligning that to things like proposition and customer choice and hiring policies and so on. But all of that provides the fuel for very fast growth. Awesome.
0: So, Felix, for people that want to get in touch with you, where do they find
1: you? 2y3x.com, simplest way, uh, 2y3x.com. You can also uh, buy the book, Scale at Speed. Uh, you can buy it at Amazon or any but Barnes & Noble, or wherever you like. It's available everywhere. The audio book is narrated by an amazing man called Roger Davis, who's got the most beautiful British, perfectly clipped accent. Um, but go and buy Scale at Speed because that's the instruction manual. That will tell you how to do what I do for a living for yourself. Um, so those are the two routes, 2 3 xcom or buy a copy of Scale at Speed. In Scale at Speed, there's links to a self-assessment scorecard, which you can go and, and do, and it will tell you how uh, your business, whether your business is really scalable. In fact, actually, can I give you another URL just to confuse things slightly? um if you go to scorecard.scaleatspeed.com you can do the self-assessment yourself it will tell you what you need to change in order to allow your business to become scalable it'll tell you what your highest priorities are and what you need to to fix but it's a really useful tool so so have a go at that it's if nothing else it's entertaining when you do it and your co-founders do it because you'll come up with slightly different answers because you have different perspectives. But it's, uh, yeah. And if you've got questions, hit me up. I'm, I, I love talking about what we do and I love answering questions from entrepreneurs who are ambitious.
0: Awesome. Well, Felix, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story and you know what you learned and experienced over the years. Before I let you go, one takeaway for the listeners, anything that you'd like to share?
1: Don't let the fact that you haven't grown a business before get in the way of you changing the world. So if it's not buying a copy of Scale at Speed or working with us at 2y3x, go and buy uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins, go and read anything by Pat Lincioni, Go and get outside help because outside help, somebody who can hold your feet to the flames and mentor you and coach you is absolutely critical. I have a mentor and a coach because without one, you're flying blind and um, you can be the best version of you when you have other people helping you to be the best version of you.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. We wish you the very best
1: and we'll keep in touch. Really enjoyed being here. Thank you. Thank you.